0: I'm David Kern. I'm Heidi White. And I'm Tim McIntosh. And boy, do we have a treat for you today. (laughs) You are listening to Close Reads, a podcast for the Incurable Reader, brought to you by Goldberry Studios. And we're here to discuss Daphne du Maurier's Rebecca. We're going to discuss chapters 14 through 19, which means... Wait,
1: through 19?
0: Through through 19. I told you, we have some of treat for you because... Well, we'll get to that in a second. Because Tim... We'll just get to mm-hmm. it now. Tim, Tim, what, 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 what happened? Okay, so
1: throughout this podcast, I have been the model of restraint. I have been wanting to Modern. read ahead in Rebecca, and I have not read ahead in Rebecca so that one of us, one fool on this podcast, doesn't know what's happening. I was I, a Rebecca, I,
2: Glutton. You're you're a Rebecca Glutton. You're a Rebecca Glutton, right. Yeah, I, I couldn't stop myself.
1: So I showed restraint, and literally every night I'd be going to bed, and there would be Rebecca on my nightstand, and I would say, nope,
0: Pause right there. Pause right nope. there. Every night you'd be going to bed, and there was Rebecca on the nightstand is an amazing sentence that I'm going to write how down rumors right now. Get
2: started. <laughs> That's right.
1: And I just glanced at what our reading assignment for today was, thinking that I was supposed to have read through chapter 18, and that was mm-hmm. through chapter 19. So I get on. We're kind of pre gaming before we turn the mics on here, and I'm like, "Oh no, David Heidi! I've only read through 18."
0: Which and they usually said, "This is the problem. big
1: reveal. 19 is the big reveal." It is. Of all
0: the mistakes to make, Tim, you made the worst. It's,
2: this is the end.
0: Stall. all. It's it. <sighs> so what we're going to do today is we are going I'll to just, reveal mm-hmm. to things to Tim. We're going to just we're going to tell Tim what happened, but we're going to do that. I've got, we're going to make Tim um, endure some things first. Before yeah. we get to Tim enduring some things though, just want to remind you about that new series of books from our friend Karen Swallow Pryor, which is from B&H Publishing Group. Bringing the best of the classics, this award-winning English professor and author, Karen Swallow Pryor, provides insightful introductions and reading tips that help you read through the lens of the gospel. This series includes Jane Eyre, Frankenstein, Heart of Darkness and Sense and Sensibility. And of course, we are going to be using that edition of Jane Eyre when we begin talking about that in a couple of weeks. They also have several more books coming over the next couple of years. You can pick up these beautifully designed classics today and reread these literary masterpieces with a faithful guide who has spent a great deal of time studying them. To learn more about the series, head over to bhpublishinggroup.com slash classics. Once again, that is bhpublishinggroup.com slash classics. Thanks to Karen Swallow for joining us, uh, as she does once a year or so for a book, and we are super excited to have her joining us for Jane Eyre to bring her expertise on and show us what's up. So, the whole time I've been talking, look, my phone has been Siri. Siri has been transcribing everything I've been saying. Oh my! While goodness. reading that ad, and
2: that's amazing. How's it I, doing? It's
0: strangely well. It, usually, my I don't translate well to Siri, but strangely well. Okay, so yeah, we're here to talk about Rebecca. We're here to reveal things to Tim about Rebecca. Okay. And here we go, Tim. Before <laughs> yeah. we reveal what happened, you read through eighteen. I read so the- through eighteen. You read through the
1: the mishap, right? The at the
0: the big yeah. Theater. So the so.
1: Let me just recount what I know, and then you guys can tell me what I don't know. Oh no, they're <laughs> live no. on the We're air. not just going to tell you. We're going
2: to let Daphne du Maurier tell you. We should read it aloud. <laughs> just read it aloud, yeah. That's
1: actually like a really good idea. Okay, so mm. um, chapter seventeen is the. Big dance or the big kind of party is held at Mandalay and everybody shows up. And this is the moment that our unnamed narrator is going to, she's gonna look great. She's got this dress from like a costume shop, and Mrs. Danvers has helped her select it. And here's the moment. She's descending the stairs. The partygoers have gathered and Max has gathered and everyone's looking up at her and Max turns like frigid and cold because he sees her and it's revealed she's dressed just like Rebecca. Oh my goodness. She's dressed just like Rebecca. Max has a fit. He like go upstairs and change. This is an an abomination chapter. And so she does. She kind of like, I don't even remember if she kind of comes down to the party. She's got like post-traumatic stress after this shock that she looks so much like Rebecca. Um, The following chapter, Mrs. Danvers is watching her through the upstairs window while she goes for a walk. Max has disappeared. We don't know where he spent the night. Uh, Our unnamed narrator comes in and finally she confronts, she stands up to Mrs. Danvers and Mrs. Danvers just like lets her have it. You, I can't stand you. Why? Because you're not Rebecca. We all think you're a joke. The servants laugh at you. Um, Max doesn't love you. This is all a charade. Maybe you should consider committing suicide. Maybe you should leap off this balcony. And like, there's kind of like a moment that our narrator like actually kind of considers this. And then there's a big explosion because a ship has run aground or something like this? It's I don't know. It was a little bit unclear to me. And we hear the running of footsteps as the chapter closes. Boom. Curtain. Now chapter 19 is the reveal, is what you're telling me. Okay, now.
0: What do you think happened Okay. In chapter 19?
1: I had, I don't have any idea about the explosion. Like, no idea, except I think that it must have something to do with um, how Rebecca died. That's my hunch. It has, you think she died in an explosion right then? No, 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 no. I think that however she died, you know, whatever, 18 months earlier, is has there was an explosion then also is my guess. Hmm. It's got to be some Pretty bit good. of kind of like an echoing back to her death the footsteps running worse. um the footsteps that we hear my first guess is that's max he's been at home he's just kind of been in hiding and he's like hearkening back to this moment that rebecca died because he heard the same explosion or something like that that's the best i can do so what do you think the big reveal is We'll give you three guesses. Let me, let me. Actually, that's too easy. Two guesses. I don't even know if I got five guesses, I would know. But I'll just reiterate what I thought from last week. It's clearly not true because you guys would, I think, be snickering like, Tim, you guessed it. I think that. Um, We'd never give you credit. Okay, oh, 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 sorry. One more thing about chapter 18. It's revealed that like Rebecca's kind of a monster she's like been like having all these affairs or at least kind of like emotional romances with these other men. And we didn't really know that this is like, this is a big reveal. Mm -hmm. So my hunch, I, my hunch is that she died as a result of some sort of a love triangle. And I think Max has got to be one of the members of the love triangle who the third one is. My guess is that it's, Oh boy from what's his name. Um, he was part of my. Favel. What's his first Favelle. name, Heidi? Favelle?
2: Fred. I don't know. Frank. Frank.
1: Thank Frank you. Fave- Frank Favelle? Yeah. Frank is my hunch. Is that Frank is the other member of the love triangle? I bet it's. I bet it's
2: Frank. Okay.
1: Rebecca Maxim.
2: Okay. David, you and I should read the last two pages together. You okay. be Maxim and I'll nope. be. Ooh.
1: I definitely want to do that.
0: Let's, get, let's take him through this a little bit because. Okay. There's a, I want to read a couple passages, but first let's just kind of reveal the beginning of it before we get to those pages. The first three words of chapter 19, it was Maxim. So you get a ding, 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 because the people, person running under the window was indeed Maxim.
1: Okay, good. Great. I guess that right. I feel good.
0: The ship did run aground. The yes. explosion was not someone, it wasn't an explosion, it was a um, distress signal. Oh. Because The ship has run aground, okay. Throughout this chapter, then Heidi, then describe what happens next before we get to the bedroom. So,
2: comes to the door,
1: the listener's like, Yeah, we know,
2: yeah, they're, yeah, they all know. Um,
1: the heroine, our heroine comes to the door. Wait, who comes no, to the door?
2: No, Captain Cyril, uh, who is what is A he? New the character, chief of police, yeah, new character, okay. and he reveals to our narrator who is alone. Uh, he comes and meets with her alone and tells her that there has been a body found in this ship. Yeah. So or throughout else, the chapter, yeah.
0: they went down. They sent a person yeah, down to dig. I'm doing bad to not dig, but yeah. No, it's mm-hmm. fine. Just go under yeah. the water. Yeah. The what's dive, going on? And mm-hmm. See, see if they can get the ship out. They yeah. So they're the people. just trying
2: to rescue the people from the ship that has gone aground. And in okay. doing that, the divers have found Rebecca's boat uh, underground and locked within the boat is a body, the body of a woman, um, but they don't know anything about this body. Uh, they don't know. So, the captain comes, Captain Cyril comes and tells our narrator, hey, we're going to have to investigate this. Somebody must have been with Rebecca when she died because Rebecca's body has been, was found somewhere else.
0: It's in the crypt.
2: Yes. So, Rebecca's body's been found and buried. Maxim identified it. So, obviously, somebody must have been with Rebecca when mm. she died. This mm. is a new layer to the mystery. And so, then Maxim, and after after Captain Cyril leaves, Maxim and our narrator have a conversation. Okay. So,
1: okay. Can I Can I pause? Can I say one more yeah. thing that I just don't... There's something about the relationship between Mrs. Danvers and Rebecca that has got to be revealed also because she used to care for Rebecca when she was a child. It made me think like, is this like her mother? Like, okay, so I just wanted to get yes. that in. That's got to be part of my theory. Mm-hmm. There's some sort of relationship. My guess is it's a maternal relationship between Mrs. Danvers and Rebecca. Okay, now I'm caught up. The chief of police, there's another body. Okay.
0: Okay, okay. Hi, Heidi, let's start at the bottom of 268.
1: Perfect. Tim, do you have this exactly addition to?
2: What I was going to suggest.
1: The bottom of 268. Yeah. Nice t by just, the way. I'm just going to listen to you guys. Okay. Okay. So
0: do you want me do you to, want do to the be na- the
2: narrator and Maxim?
0: Sure. Sure. Or no. Yeah, that's fine. Cause you. No, have... because
2: I should be the narrator because. Yeah, that's, that's a, a great female. point because yeah. it's you. Okay. All right. Because
0: it's, okay. It's oh my gosh, literally I'm so, you. I'm so,
2: <laughs> I'm so <laughs> is, I'm, Me too. This is actually so fun. Okay. Maxim was standing by the window. His back was turned to me. I waited by the door. Still. He did not turn around. I took my hands out of my pockets and went and stood beside him. I reached out for his hand and laid it against my cheek. He did not say anything. He went on standing there. I'm so sorry, I whispered. So terribly, terribly sorry. He did not answer. His hand was icy cold. I kissed the back of it and then the fingers one by one. I don't want you to bear this alone, I said. I want to share it with you. I've grown up, Maxim, in 24 hours. I'll never be a child again. He put his arm round me and pulled me to him very close. My reserve was broken, and my shyness, too. I stood there with my face against his shoulder. You've forgiven me, haven't you? I said. He spoke to me at last.
0: Forgiven you? What have I got to forgive you for?
2: Last night. You thought I did it on purpose.
0: Ah, that. I'd forgotten. I was angry with you, wasn't I?
2: Yes. He did not say any more. He went on holding me close to his shoulder. Maxim, can't we start all over again? Can't we begin from today and face things together? I don't want you to love me. I won't ask impossible things. I'll be your friend and your companion, a sort of boy. I don't ever want more than that. He took my face between his hands and looked at me. For the first time, I saw how thin his face was, how lined and drawn, and there were great shadows beneath his eyes.
0: How much do you love me?
2: I could not answer. I could only stare back at him, at his dark, tortured eyes and his pale, drawn face.
0: It's too late, my darling. Too late. We've lost our little chance of happiness.
2: No, no, Maxim, no.
0: Yes, it's all over now. The thing has happened.
2: What thing?
0: The thing that I've always foreseen. The thing I've dreamt about, day after day, night after night. We're not meant for happiness, you and I.
2: He sat down on the window seat, and I knelt in front of him, my hands on his shoulders. What are you trying to tell me? He put his hands over mine and looked into my face.
0: Rebecca has won.
2: I stared at him, my heart beating strangely, my hands suddenly cold beneath his hands.
0: Her shadow between us all the time, her damned shadow keeping us from one another. How could I hold you like this, my darling, my little love, with the fear always in my heart that this would happen? I remembered her eyes as she looked at me before she died. I remembered that slow, treacherous smile. She knew this would happen even then. She knew she would win in the end.
2: Maxim, what are you saying? What, what are you trying to tell me?
0: Her boat. They found it. The diver found it this afternoon.
2: Yes, I know. Captain Cyril came to tell me. You're thinking about the body, aren't you? The body the diver found in the cabin. Yes. It means she was not alone. It means that there was somebody sailing with Rebecca at the time. And you have to find out who it is. That's it. Isn't it, Maxim?
0: No, no, you don't understand.
2: I want to share this with you, darling. I want to help you.
0: There was no one with Rebecca. She was alone.
2: I knelt there, watching his face, watching his eyes.
0: It's Rebecca's body lying in the cabin floor. What?
2: No, no.
0: The woman buried in the crypt is not Rebecca. It's the body of some unknown woman, unclaimed, belonging nowhere. There never was an accident. Rebecca was not drowned at all. I killed her. I shot Rebecca in the cottage in the cove. I carried her body to the cabin and took the boat out that night and sunk it there, where they found it today. It's Rebecca who's lying dead there on the cabin floor. Will you look into my eyes and tell me that you love me now? End of chapter.
1: Done. You are, no way, no way.
0: <laughs> Do you need a minute?
1: Should I get, need a minute.
0: Why don't you just, why don't you just emote out loud here on the microphone for a few minutes?
1: I, okay. I trusted Maxim, okay, i never I never thought that he was innocent, meaning like, how do I say this like he wasn't a creep, <laughs> I thought he was a creep, yeah, that's what I thought he was, I thought he was a creep, but I trusted I didn't think he had anything to do with Rebecca, he like seemed to love Rebecca, of course he loved Rebecca enough to murder her.
0: <laughs> well, it turns out Rebecca's not so great there, so, yeah, she's you know. not so great, not that that not just. I should probably publicly state that that doesn't mean that she should be drowned. Shot.
2: <laughs> Shot. Shot. And then buried. Shot and then buried, and then buried yes. at sea. Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. Which for some people, like in The Lord of the Rings, was an honor. Got. Yes. You think Rebecca deserves everything she got? I am we'll team to- <laughs> Maxim
2: all the way.
1: <laughs> A woman. We'll leave it to the women to, to make That's those right. claims.
2: <laughs> so
1: now I'm dying to know about Mrs. Danvers because Mrs. Mm. Danvers, is she just like... You guys can't say anything, but Mrs. Danvers is so salty about losing Rebecca. She can't know that it has to that like Maxim's hand right? She can't know that Maxim did it. Well can well, she somehow? We... <laughs> anything is possible
2: That is yet to be revealed that that we to me. Know. it's already been
1: revealed to you.
2: Well, I mean, don't you, don't you you chose this? You you chose to be moderate. I'm saying, eat the cheese, drink the wine, read the book. <laughs> <laughs> see my poster. Drink the
1: wine. That, <laughs> eat, that, eat the wine. Drink the cheese. If there has <laughs> been a poster-worthy yes. saying, that is a poster-worthy saying for sure. All right,
0: all right, I'll write it
1: down. Eat the write cheese. It down. Drink, drink, the, drink wine, the wine. Read the book. Read the
0: book.
2: This is what I'm Uh, saying.
1: M dash Heidi White.
2: So, but okay. So Tim, is this, does this surprise you or is this one of those like fictional surprises when you're like, oh yeah, I'm surprised. But of course that's what it is.
1: (laughs) Are you acting right now? (laughs) I think it's perfect because it's. What does is, what is Aristotle say in the poetics? Like the, rev, the the reveal, he doesn't say the reveal, but the solution is one that's both expected and unexpected. Yeah. Like as soon as I heard it, I was like, what? It's Maxim? And then I was, of course, it's gotta be Maxim. Of course. So it's it's unexpected because I did kind of trust him. I did believe that he really loved Rebecca. I just thought he was a creeper. Um. But no, he's more than a creeper. He did away with her, but it well, he's a literal creeper. it totally makes sense. It makes sense of his like um, response to seeing the our narrator in Rebecca's dress, dress like Rebecca. Of course, it makes sense of why he'd be like super emo when he's in France. <laughs> when he, you know, because
0: he's, he's a emo butcher, just kill people. Right, he's
2: emo because he
1: killed somebody.
0: Heidi just okay. had to unmute real fast. Like she just so, slammed that on mute button.
2: Yeah, I was like, doom. So, but here's, let me just give you a little insight into the mind of women.
0: All right, I'm going to okay. mute for a while here and just be quiet.
2: Yeah, this is this is why women love gothic romances, at least me. I'm going to only speak for myself okay. and our listeners can tell me whether I am right or wrong here. <laughs> but here's my response. Well, thank God, at least he really loves her.
1: Oh, I honestly, Heidi, I thought you were going to say that. Honestly, really loves loves
2: her. (laughs) He loves his wife. And our narrator. Yes, and she's a narrator. And when you read a fictional story, you're allowed to be on whatever moral side you want to be on. And <laughs> I am on Team Maxim loving our narrator. That's that might great. be
1: another poster right there.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I want to put that on a poster. But yeah, a probably not. I, I don't we, want to be right I think the three of that. us agree with the yeah. with the, with, the, with the clause, eat the cheese, drink the wine, yeah. read the book. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. sure that we would just implicitly agree with it. We're with getting to like a moral all do swamp though. with the I second one. I think we one.
2: all do. I I'm going to cry BS on that because that's why you guys like your genre books too right because you get to be like you get to enter into this like man who's above the law who gets to go shoot the bad guys in the desert or like betray somebody behind the iron curtain or whatever right like there is this there's this sense of Fantasy fulfillment, according to the rules of, of the internal world of the novel, when you're reading genre literature, that you're like, oh, well, now it's just like this romantic story between these two lovers who they're, the ghost of the wife was between them. But really, he like loves her passionately. He just like didn't want to ruin her with his sordid past. Like That is stuff women love. So I think, I I think you're everybody, right.
0: Uh, women, chime in. Chime in. Yes,
2: feel but free I, to shoot me down. I absolutely know that I am not representing all women here, even though I just claim to. But I do know <laughs> I'm actually not. But I think that that is the thing about genre literature. Like you get to be the the lone wolf out in the desert when you're reading a western or whatever. And there's something really compelling and uh, and cool about that.
1: I I want to say you're absolutely right. Like if we hold. To like the same rules for westerns, like John Grady Cole in All the Pretty Horses, is going to make some decisions that are not in keeping with the law, and we will, and I will just be cheering him the whole way. So I get your point, Heidi. I, I hold on. I want to make sure that I've not just signed on to something like utterly dastardly by saying I agree with you, Heidi.
2: I, well, I've read the whole novel, and I'm saying it. So.
1: Okay. Okay. That's my, <laughs> that's my get out of jail free card. If like, Good I have disclaimer. just assented to something yeah, that's right. just totally repugnant. I can always be like, but I hadn't read the last chapters. <laughs> Turns out Daphne de the book to a go. huge, is a huge fan of mine. Content. I
2: like breathed a huge <laughs> sigh of relief when I found out that the big secret was that Maxim killed Rebecca. I'm like, well, that's fine. Because he loves her. So that.
0: he's you know not, who like, he didn't
2: love? Huh?
0: The first one.
2: Yes. Exactly, the one who made you gave you a feeling but also, like a snake.
0: Also, m- yeah, maybe she wasn't great, but you know, right? Maybe- Which that's,
2: that's gothic literature's out all the time, right? Like there was some like morally horrible person, and so it's okay to murder them. I do understand <laughs> that that's not true in the real world. The, it's a principle it is of gothic literature, a gothic story. Um, and uh, and also, when you're having like a really moody night, it doesn't always rain or get foggy. <laughs> You're like saying pathetic fallacy is literature. not true. So there's, there is this like kind of internal logic to the story. Now that we know that Rebecca was a psychopath, like, right. it's, I mean, it's cool that our romantic hero murdered her and buried her body at sea because man, he just loves his sweet little wife. So I'm, that's I'm so glad adorable. you
0: brought, I'm so glad you brought up the word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you brought up the word psychopath because I have a question. Hmm. Are there any? Is there? Are there any characters in this book who are not psychopaths?
2: Our sweet narrator and Mac.: Oh are yeah, we I was sure. Romantic. I think our narrator's sure.
0: not a psychopath. Are no. we
1: sure? What evidences do we have We're that she's sure. a psychopath?
0: You if I start face, if I get into that too much I will get killed on Facebook and I'm not going to do that. Right now. Go for it. Go for it. No, okay, i to save it for free the I'm going to save all it for the pretty
2: horses then. <laughs> I'm going to I, I, I I'm I'm, just I'm backing
0: up. I'm saving yeah. you know you 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 would like all the pretty horses. I love In fact all you the do, the like do like all the pretty horses. I do like all the horses. So I'm going to save that for the end of the book because I don't I haven't read to the end and need to save my further skewerings. Okay, of the psychopathic narrator. Um, I do want to bring up a passage, though that Tim, you will have not read that stood out to me uh, for a number of reasons. So it is on page two hundred and sixty three. So it's in chapter nineteen, and it's she's heading back to the house, I believe, after being down by the down by the beach before the big reveal. okay it's a, she says, I left him and walked toward the path through the woods. I didn't look at the cottage. I was aware of it on my right hand, gray and quiet. I went straight to the path and up through the trees. I paused to rest halfway and looking through the trees, I could still see the stranded ship leaning towards the shore. The pleasure boats had all gone. Even the crew had disappeared below. The ridges of cloud covered the whole sky. A little wind sprang from nowhere and blew into my face. A leaf fell onto my hand from the tree above. I shivered for no reason. That's a nice bit of foreshadowing there. Mm Then the wind went again. It was hot and sultry as before. The ship looked desolate there upon her side with no one on her decks and her thin black funnel pointing to the shore. The sea was so calm that when it broke broke upon the shingle in the cove, it was like a whisper, hushed and still. I turned once more to the steep path through the woods, my legs reluctant, my head heavy, a strange sense of foreboding in my heart. The house looked very peaceful as I came upon it from the woods and crossed the lawn. It seemed sheltered and protected, more beautiful than I had ever seen it. Standing there, looking down upon it from the banks, I realized, perhaps for the first time, with a funny feeling of bewilderment and pride, that it was my home. I belonged there, and Manderley belonged to me. The trees and the grass and the flower tubs and the terrace were reflected in the mullioned windows. A thin column of smoke rose in the air from one of the chimneys. The new cut grass in the lawn smelt sweet as hay. A blackbird was singing on the chestnut tree. A yellow butterfly winged its foolish way before me to the terrace. I went into the hall and through the dining room. My place was still laid, but Maxim's had been cleared away. Okay, so we'll stop there. So she's headed back to the house and there's this this is, This passage is very interesting for a number of reasons, one because for the first time, she says it belonged to me suddenly, for some reason, she feels like it she belongs there and it belongs to her so this is that's a tr- that's kind of a turning point in her her evolution right her growth. so I want to know what why does she feel that way now i, wanna, I wanna, I'm curious what you guys think of that. But then the other thing is that when you compare this passage with the passage we read earlier in the book when she's arriving at the for the house to the house for the first time that's this super gothic dark scene where she describes the trees as being monsters and stuff and here the natural world is you know it's lush and beautiful and pleasant and she uh, she's taking this pleasure in it the house can't have changed that much in the weeks that, the days the weeks that she's been there so what i'm wondering is why has her perspective changed so much? Why does she suddenly feel like it belongs to her and she belongs there?
2: I think there's a couple of reasons. I think that the plot reason that's given to us is pretty good. And it's that she's just come upon some strangers who are essentially trespassing and she's seen herself, I think through their eyes, maybe for the first time that she is the mistress of the house. She doesn't even reveal herself Them, but yeah, the
0: guy it says that the guy look keeps the the, yes, what's his name? That some some of the one of the the, the officials keeps looking at her Mm -hmm. as if recognizing her role,
2: right? Um, and and so she's she's met these people having a picnic and she's been down there to check on the diving and all that. Um, and it communicates to her that she has. These people that are having a picnic there were just like how she used to be, right? The kind of people who would go have a picnic and then end up trespassing upon some like rich person's land. But I think she sees herself as different from them for the first time and because she's around people that are actually like her of her own kind of social class and she realizes I'm different from them. This is my home. I belong here. Those people are trespassing on my land. Um, And Also, in addition to that, and I think that's a pretty good reason for her to start thinking that way. I also Mm. think that there's been this work that's being done on her through these, this, Many tiny crises and crises, yeah, crises, and then this one big crisis of the party, um, and she has to figure out what to do about this crisis, and that's like the nadir of their marriage, right? This is like a bad spot. She has offended him and made him look ridiculous, um, and he's angry at her. And she literally, she comes down literally dressed all in white, like a ghost of his former wife, who we now find out he's murdered. No wonder he got so angry. She thought it was because. That he, you know, is still in love with Rebecca and she humiliated him. And there's probably a part of it that had something to do with that. But it's a much deeper psychological moment for Maxim than she's even aware of when she appears at the top of the stairs dressed as Rebecca in ghostly white. So now we can see why he was so angry about that. Um, Guilt. And then, yes, yes. And this idea of her. Our narrator, oh, yeah. inhabiting Rebecca's life, is tormenting to him because he does love her. She thinks it's because he doesn't, but it's because he does. So there's a whole lot of psychological things that change now perspective you go back Rebecca and was yes.
0: and Rebecca was a pain,
2: yeah, well, she was wicked,
0: <laughs> to, yeah, to yes. put it. She made his life difficult,
2: and we still don't know the full story, but we can see through Mrs. Danvers eyes right she's crazy i mean we need to talk about mrs danvers quite a bit but she's the point crazy. is that i think that when he that when she sees the house for the first time this is maybe one of her first moments of becoming like i made the point last week that this is a coming of age novel and we see that in multiple ways in this chapter particularly when she presents herself to maxim and says i have grown up in the last 24 hours I'm no longer a child, and now she actually has to face something—a great, another great crisis to her. I mean, before the biggest crisis of her life was that she got embarrassed at a party. That's actually not that big of a deal, mm. right? And now she has to face—we've got the body of my husband's murdered wife; that he did it. And so, I think that now, now we have a real coming of age crisis here. Um, but to your point, I think part of that is looking at Manderley with some ownership and saying like, this is, this is my house and I belong here. Go ahead, Tim. I think,
1: I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm going to send a little contradictory, but I wonder if her confronting Mrs. Danvers in the previous chapter also has something to do with it. Agreed. Part of the problem though, Heidi, is that Mrs. Danvers still has power over her. You know, like she confronts Mrs. Danvers. You are not allowed to talk to me like this. You set me up. Um, But then Mrs. Danvers is like, come over here to the railing.
2: You should kill yourself. And she's like, okay.
1: If you leapt, it would just take a moment just to. She almost did it. Right? So she still has power over our narrator in some way, which makes me think that the final confrontation between these two women is not complete. Like there's something else that's got to like, you know. Obi-Wan and Vader in the hallway, something's going to happen.
2: But these several, I mean, she's been through the, the party thing was a big deal and the Mrs. Danvers thing is traumatic. Yep. Uh, And, but now she has more knowledge, right? And this is, this is why I argue that it's a, a coming of age novel at its heart that kind of couched in Gothic terms is that she's been through this like great crisis of the soul and And now she has to decide what in the heck to do with it, which is, if anybody's gone through trauma, that's like a real thing. You start to say, okay, so who, she cannot rely on Maxim because they're estranged right now. She doesn't know that he's, she doesn't know why, but she knows that he's mad at her and she can't go rely on him like a little girl to her father, which is what she would normally do, right? And then she, Mrs. Danvers is acting insane. And she has embarrassed and humiliated herself and estranged herself from all of the people in their social group. So she is entirely alone. And she's thinking like a grown-up for the first time in the whole story, which is, what am I going to do about it? Not who am I going to go to to fix it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but what am I going to do about it? And so, in and part of that journey for her is, look, that's my house right? And I'm going to go and start talking to my husband and asking for an explanation and presenting myself to him. She does it in still a pretty like servile, docile kind of way. I don't care if you love me or not. I just want to be around. So her story isn't complete yet, but it is beginning here. She's
1: stepping in the right direction. Yeah. For a moment, I had this flash that, and I'm not looking at your faces because I don't want to know. I don't want like, understanding to register on them for a moment. I thought there's no way that she stays with him after this. Is there, there's no way. And then I thought, yes, there is. She could stay with him even after she found out, but I don't think it's going to go that direction. I don't want it to go that direction. She can't you stay with him. You don't
2: want it to go what direction? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, because yeah. Cause you think he's bad. Of course he's bad. He
1: murdered Rebecca, so Heidi, 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 you don't know. We where, just went over this. Heidi, he killed Rebecca. You, I can't believe that you actually are holding out hope for him. <laughs> I'm having so fun because right. I realize. In
2: every way, you are completely right. I do not deny your moral, your moral high ground on this issue.
0: Wait, so, what, Tim, what's your content t- that he's just a bad guy and so she should leave him?
1: Right, but I'm also imagining a scenario that she's like, "We all make mistakes, Maxim. I'm gonna, I love it here. I'm so comfortable. No, I'm staying with you. We'll, we'll work around the police problem together. Together, what? But I just, there's no way that that can happen.
0: Okay. So, what's your prediction then for what happens next in this book? Just, oh, I'm just gonna to stick give yourself with another st- chance to embarrass yeah. yourself.
1: Okay. There needs, I think that the final confrontation in the book is not really between maxim and our narrator i think it's between our narrator and mrs danvers and i think that i th- predict victory for our heroine i don't know what it would look like though um i even wonder if mrs danvers ends up dead by the end of the book i wonder if that's a suicide you know, I wonder if maybe she's fingers. gonna jump off a window. Something because she can't live without Rebecca. I th- there's um I think that the most guilty party of um um Rebecca's ex-lovers I'm gonna stand by it's oh boy, who <laughs> oh, whose name I can't remember.
0: Frank. Frank Frank. Frank.
1: And I Frank believe that by the end of the book. Uh, our unnamed narrator's name will be revealed, and I think that she will have married what's his name? What do you think her name is? Plamanda. It's Plamanda. It's going to be revealed as Plamanda, and her name is going and she's going to like marry the guy who's kind of by her side during the party. He's kind of quiet. Well, what happened? Clearly... What's
0: going to happen to the other old boy? Maxim? Yeah.
1: Uh, maxim, who
2: cares he's a murderer
1: <laughs> be hung by his shoelaces and i think maxim might aged. end up like some sort of like a obscure recluse like living beside a golf course it's
2: not frank you guys <sighs> frank is the house agent that you're talking frank about Frank crawley yeah i frank think that crawley. she falls in
1: love i think she ends up with frank crawley i think um I think that Maxim, I, for some reason, I think Maxim does not end up dead. Maybe he ends up incarcerated. I, I think he just kind of like flees yes. the scene.
2: Sounds very justice oriented. He's going to be incarcerated.
1: Hey, at least, at least one of us has We're like some sort of a moral compass here. <laughs> yep, not, I,
2: not me. I have no moral compass. <laughs> like oh, so, he's such a romantic hero. <laughs> <laughs> this
0: is so fun. What do you guys make of all the little... Um, Weird asides about this may be a time for you not to have your kids listen if you don't want them to discuss adult con- topics. All they little, the little asides that allude to, well, that just simply put allude to like the various sexuality mm-hmm. of these characters. So, or even like oh. about um, subverting them or whatever. So, for example, in the scene where Heidi, you said she goes to Maxim at the end of the chapter and is like all servile, right? Mm-hmm. She literally says, I'll just. I'll just be your boy, right? I'll mm. just be a boy. I don't need anything else. I'll just be your like companion, you know. Like I'll be your Patroclus, um, mm. and then the stuff with um, Danvers, who she they Danny to Danny,
1: and the she refers she to, the to name. Rebecca as she was like a little boy,
2: mm-hmm. right?
0: Yeah, and she has this clear obsession with her, which the book doesn't make explicit. It was romantic or whatever, but how do you, I mean, I know we haven't gotten to the end of the book. We can come back to this, but how, when you're reading a book like this, like just as a principle, how do you approach something like this? Because it'd be easy to just politicize it or say that she was mm-hmm. making some kind of a statement. It's easy to jump on it and say, well, this is a defense of something or an examination of something. Do you, what's your first response when you're reading something like this? I mean, Tim, how you even got to the end. What What do you do with stuff like that?
1: I read it as a clue. Like that something is very, something very atypical is happening. So you write it in your little notebook to while you're- Yeah, my detective notebook. Your detective notebook, yeah. Yeah, I just take it as something atypical and- So you you observe it, you just note it. Yeah, yeah. I I try not to draw, I mean- it looks not I'm constantly like drawing conclusions and forming hypotheses- about who did what and who you know like what rebecca was like and what maxim is really like so i'm constantly making hypotheses and i think Mm -hmm. this is just like a little clue that something is awry but i don't know what this one means like right now i'm wondering the the, another little clue is the guy who lives who has the mental deficiency down by the shore ben like He's a clue. I don't know what he means. I don't know what his, maybe there's no significance. Maybe it's just like a red herring, but you know, but he seems to know something. He sure seems to know something. He knows that Rebecca's, I mean, isn't this the first, isn't he the first occasion that we find out that Rebecca is not all like lilies and lace. Yes, It's from him, right? Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, and he fits. I mean, he fits an archetype, right? The wise fool, mm. that's in a lot of books. When you have like a simple-minded kind of childlike uh, character who presents some kind of hidden wisdom that other people dismiss. Um,
0: how do you see that in this book?
2: With Ben, I think mm-hmm. that he fits that for sure. He's the one, like like Tim just pointed out. Well, that, but I
0: mean, how do you see that in Ben?
2: Because he's the one who pointed out. Rebecca's uh, originally pointed. He was the only one honest about Rebecca's character from the beginning. Everything else mm. has been hidden from our narrator. They've been mm-hmm. hiding it from her, mm-hmm. intentionally not telling her. She has a conversation with Frank Crawley saying, I don't. I think my husband is still obsessed with his wife, his dead wife, mm. and Frank doesn't tell her.
0: So why do you think that is? Why do they not uh, well, tell her? I mean, like, that's it seems very- like they should just
2: british reserve right you don't talk badly of the dead uh, he's keeping secret, and there's i mean we don't know the whole story yet there are some actual reasons that are given later for why he doesn't tell her but he he probably ought to have told her in broken Tim, would
0: you like to have her reveal some of those to you now or would you like to read no. it i know
2: i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give it. any spoilers uh but i think that tim's right on that there's the idea of Kind of distorted sexuality is pretty common in gothic uh, romances and gothic stories, um, and so that's not a surprising piece of of this novel. Um, Mrs. Danvers' obsession with Rebecca is obviously very concerning. <laughs> and there are sexual overtones to it um but not stated not directly mm-hmm. stated but usually my understanding is that that's commonly portrayed in you know film adaptations of the novel um but i haven't seen any yet i'm just going by what i've read so um i and i really like what you said Tim, about it being like a clue i'm i'm the same way about it i i look at it as if it's in the novel, it's in the novel. It's worth exploring. It's worth thinking about. Um, but I would never reduce a story merely to that. That would be foolish and um, a very, very overly simplistic way of looking at a novel. I do absolutely think that this novel has feminist explorations and a lot to say about female sexuality. That may be we the last. Th- I, I, I mean, like you said, this is a family show and I'm... Um, <laughs> That's one part of the novel, definitely not the whole thing.
1: Heidi, when you and David, when you read Mrs. Danvers' description of Rebecca as basically, um, she did whatever she wanted. Mm -hmm. She cracked the whip. She did whatever she wanted. Like, I think she repeated the phrase, she did whatever she wanted. Like, you know, she was this this sort of like primal force that would not be contained. And Mrs. Danvers loves her for it. And I remember thinking... That her description would, how do I say this? I'm just going to kind of blurt it out. It seemed like a description of a man much more than a description of a woman. It's like these are men's foibles more often than they're women's foibles, mm-hmm. or at least a man would be praised for it more than a woman would. That's a great way of saying it, Dave. That's a better way. And
0: Denny <laughs> praises, yeah, praises her for
1: it. it seems that to me stuck out even it. more than. She was like a boy, like I'm. I, I thought, what is going on here? That she is so enamored of this kind of behavior in Rebecca. Trait. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Did that jump out? Did that clue jump out at you guys mm-hmm. also? Yeah.
2: Yeah, and along with her beating the horse, and I mean, yeah, just several evidences of, I mean, psychopathy. This this girl is a psychopath. So she's.
0: Well it makes sense that she comes, she comes back as a child,
2: ghost then. Um there's there's been evidences that are admirable to to your point to Mrs. Danvers, which speaks to like this dark psychological uh exploration of this particular woman. She's mm-hmm. almost like she's by far now. We know like this is the villain of the novel, right? Um it, Rebecca and Mrs. Danvers. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's it strikes me that rebecca she haunts people Mm -hmm. in this home because of her psych psychopathy Mm -hmm. like it's the psychopathic characteristics that most make people or they most remember her for either in a either because they're disturbed by them like maxim seems to be or because they respect them like like danny does um which adds an which adds another layer of uh, hauntedness or horror to the story. Yeah, like it's this character who was a real monster, and it's the monstrousness that makes makes her mem- memorable in the sense that people are kind of haunted by her and remember, yeah. you know, remember her, which is kind of the opposite of what our narrator thought was the fact. The narrator thought she was being remembered, and that people viewed her as this larger than life character. Mm. In a positive sense, mm. you know, she was so organized. She ran the house. She was a little strict, but she knew what she wanted to mm-hmm. do. She was artistic. She, she was graceful. She was beautiful. That's what she thought that she was not living up to. But what people were really haunted by was the, psychop- the psychopathy that was on display. Right. And so it's like the opposite of what the narrator, the narrator thought was happening. Yeah. Can we, can we come up with a different name to call her besides Plamanda? Because we might need to use Plamanda in a future Narr- uh, nameless narrator scenario. That should just be universal. We could
2: do, you have any, do you have any yeah, ideas? Yeah, do you have any proposals?
0: No. Oh. Max, Max, Max. Don't
2: propose problems <laughs> without proposing solutions. <laughs> hey, I, um,
1: that's my whole job on this podcast. I know. I was thinking about, I've still not seen the Hitchcock movie. I'm eager to see it. And but it makes sense to me that Hitchcock would be attracted to this story, not just because mm-hmm. it's a great suspense story, but also the kind of the feminine doubling that happens in the story between Mrs. Danvers and Rebecca. That shows up in so many classic Hitchcock film classic Hitchcock films, mm-hmm. like Vertigo. His movies
0: are all built around doubles. They really are.
1: And especially like feminine inverses and like like mirrors of each other. I'm thinking of um Oh, uh, the birds, also a Du Maurier story. The, I can't remember their characters' names, but the brunette and the blonde are kind of like they're sort of mirrors of each other. They're both these really strong women. They both
0: Strangers are, on a Train is like the. Tra- like yeah, the okay.
1: Um, they're both attracted to the same man. And I, yeah, it just makes me, it makes me, I was like, of course, this is the kind of field that hitchcock would plow to make a movie it's like just what he wants Mm -hmm.
0: i believe in the movie was it Joan fontaine played yeah Joan fontaine played her which makes sense because she was blonde and that was hitchcock's
1: thing and um the star is the british actor what's his name laurence olivier Olivier. plays the lead yep he's so good at cold he's so good at cold Heidi probably is like Heidi's just like yeah he's my dreamboat. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like all and murder like the murderous, dark, cold, immoral. i all about him. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Guilty secret. I'm your girl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, You're gonna have um, to hang out with Scott some and try to unpack I that.
2: Know, that's right. Try to figure that out. But you, can't. you guys, I
1: I have to say something now. I have to kind of circle back. Well, and first, say, why do you have to yeah, leave? Very soon. Okay, we'll wrap this up then. I want to say that my mistake, I think ended up being a real boon to the show. And I would like to take credit for it. <laughs>
2: well done. Is that, is that your final thought?
1: <laughs> what, did you, what did you say, David? Is that your final thought? No, that's not my final thought, but it could be. It's that potent that it could hang as a final thought. That's how <laughs> well, powerful it is. <laughs> David's just clapping at me.
0: Golf clap. Congratulations <laughs> on not doing your
1: homework. Yeah, right. The one time you get rewarded. Like it, in history, this is the one time I've been rewarded for not doing my homework. I had a whole high school career built on not doing my homework. Finally, it's paid off. It, yeah, I prepared you for, for this very for this moment, This very moment. For the last 45 it's minutes. Incandescent moment.
0: So l- let's talk though. I mean, there's so much that we can't really talk about until next week because we're, for next week, we're going to finish the book. So let's think about some of the things that we're seeing foreshadowed um, and, and kind of think about just what we're, what we're ready for. And then we'll really be able to dive in, have a nice proper conversation about the the final, the final uh, reveals and so forth. Tim, what are you looking for? Like, what are some of the things that for you are, you know, you feel like are being foreshadowed, the questions that have been raised for you, uh, anything that we haven't already discussed?
1: I am curious about all of the characters. I'm curious about what Maxim is going to do. I'm curious about, you They're know, just... <laughs> who Ben really is. But really what I'm looking for is I think there needs to be a final confrontation that completes the growth of our main oh, character. The
0: Vader-Obi-Wan confrontation.
1: Yeah, there has to be the Obi-Wan-Darth Vader confrontation between her and Danvers. Because I think Danvers at this point is sort of a stand-in for Rebecca. She at least has so much allegiance for her that she's a stand-in for Rebecca. She's a very different person. So I Mm -hmm. think there needs to be some sort of final confrontation between the two of them. And the odd thing is, it would seem in some ways that to the victor goes the spoils and the spoils is Mandalay. But I think maybe, maybe, I'm going to make a prediction. To the victor, to the loser goes the spoils and the loser gets Mandalay. Like, congratulations you are stuck with his haunted house and it might be <laughs> Mrs. Danvers. Huh. You get the Death Star. So,
2: the, I'm curious about this. Do you think that the house, like that Rebecca is haunting the house?
1: No, like, no, no, no. Is, I mean that more of metaphorically.
2: Right. For yeah. everybody, do you think?
1: For, for everybody what?
2: Is, I, who is haunted by Rebecca in this story?
1: Oh, Maxim, Mrs. Danvers, it all depends on what you mean by "my haunted. I mean, I think Plamanda is haunted in a way, but I ben think maybe, maybe. What's that? Ben, ben maybe. maybe, depending but on how you I, I, define haunted. I, I, I don't think that um, Maxim and Mrs. Danvers are going to escape the haunting. And I think that Plamanda might escape the haunting. That might be part of like the final maturation for her. Is like, I'm out.
2: Right. No, I like that because in this is, this is a curious, it's a peculiar type of novel, right? Because mm-hmm. it takes a long time to figure out uh, who the antagonists are. Because mm. now in the end of 19, we have a major turn in the novel. Mm-hmm. Because up to this point, our, Plamanda, um, since David hasn't given us a compelling alternate suggestion, just
0: call her Joan Fontaine. Yeah,
2: she has not. um, She has had. This is why I said. This is why I say she's been gaslighting herself. Right. She has convinced herself that the problem of her life is that her husband doesn't really love her. Mm. Now we know that that's not the actual problem Mm -hmm. of her life. Mm -hmm. Right. So now we have to like adjust. Turns out he's just a jerk. (laughs) Right. Which is. My husband <laughs> does is love a murderer. me, but also <laughs> has murdered his wife. Like that's a yep. real, that's like the opposite problem that I thought I had. So, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: but I still so got to pivot here. I just got to right. pivot. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So she has to pivot and she has to, she has made a claim that she's grown up in the last 24 hours and will never be a child again. And I think that. We'll see the about that, girl. Of the novel,
1: oh, oh, really? Right? Like she makes that claim? And, no,
2: I think that oh. her childlikeness is the problem of the novel. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Her yeah, childishness. Yeah. Yeah
1: that statement itself is childishness.
2: Yes, I agree with that, completely, David.: In the
1: last 24 hours, I grew up, Dad. I should be, be able to drive again. the car. Yeah.
2: I have made those I, I'm sure we've all made those claims. I'm so mature, I mean not recently because we are very mature now, but long, long time ago, back when eaten the cheese listen to this yes. podcast drink notice. the wine.
1: Read the book. Read the book. We are all yes. mature now.
2: Very mature adults. So but back when we weren't, we probably thought we were which has no irony compared to what I just claimed about us being mature now. So um, anyway, I am looking for, as we head into the, the next part of the novel, I am looking for, for her. I'm looking for Flamanda to, <laughs> to move from child to adult. And I'm not talking about her age. I am talking about her inner
1: state. Of course, yeah. Although,
0: we don't really know how old she is. So
2: she's 21. We do know. Yeah. We do the, know that. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. The, yeah. 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 But do but, we, but your point is well taken. Cause it's hard to tell. So, I mean, she does act more. She says like,
0: she's 21.
2: <laughs> I know. And this is David's. I've met a lot of people who <laughs> and, uh, say that they're 21. I'm very used to David's. Are we supposed to believe this person?
0: <laughs> that's just my general standard, you know, life. Let's talk about philosophy. That. Yes. <laughs> Let's
2: go through that. David. Not just a reading Where's that philosophy. coming from, buddy? <laughs> yeah.
1: Have you looked around the world very much? No, you know what, to your point, (laughs) like I've had that thought so many times in the last, I don't know, year, I have thought, man, I thought that kind of like integrity was sort of the norm and like the violation of integrity. And then it alone comes Maxim de Winter. And And totally redeems him. I
2: was just about to say that.
0: (laughs) Well, Tim's got to go, so we should wrap this up. But uh, this has been fun. The the uh, the big reveal episode actually was kind of an interesting conceit. It's almost like you did it on purpose, Tim. I swear I did not. This was genuine. It was not a genuine failure. We found redeemed
1: by you guys.
0: We found out about this this like thirty seconds before we hit record. So, but Tim, thank you for for not doing
2: your, your irresponsibility.
1: Yeah, yeah. The pleasure was mine. <laughs> Speaking of psychopath <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, well,
0: for that the other version of Tim that was not the one that just spoke into the microphone, and for Heidi White, I'm David Kern. Happy cheese eating, happy wine drinking, and happy reading.